What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Noisy, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Um, it's a great time right now. Uh, the weather cooled down. And uh, you know what is the best time in Denver? September and October. That is right. That is when people begin to emerge from the what I am call hell month in uh, August, and you you start to begin to see people out there going, yeah, this weather's good. Um, obviously, Blanchard has safe and socially distanced tables available in the dairy block. Uh, they have reservations available. They have socially distanced and limited seating available inside. They also do virtual wine tastings online, which are fantastic, and they book really quickly. So I suggest you go to bfwdenver.com and book your uh, virtual wine tasting. Of course, they got reds, they got whites, they got Rieslings, they got, um, you know, Pinot, they got Cabernet. Uh, my favorite is the Cabernet. Uh, I don't know how much is left of the 2017 Cabernet, so I would get that. While you can, it's really nice. It's got a nice bite to it. Uh, really, one of my favorites that they have done is that 2017 Cabernet. It's really, really good. Uh, but their Pinot is fantastic, obviously. Um, the Riesling is with a uh, partnership with a winery in western Colorado called uh, Storm Cellars. So they got everything. And I highly suggest you check them out. Go to the bfwdenver.com or Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Once again, they are located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sends you there. Additionally, I'd like to tell you about my uh, friend Andy Feinstein and Exto Event Center. Please support our friends at Exo Event Center, located in Denver's vibrant art, Rhino Arts District. Exo Event Center can host safe and socially distanced events for 25 to 175 persons outdoors and up to 100 persons indoors. If you are interested in hosting an event for a corporate gathering, fundraiser, client appreciation, birthday or anniversary party, or just a morale-boosting happy hour, which, quite frankly, we all need at this point, Exo would welcome the opportunity to be part of it. Please visit extoevents.com for more information and book your private event today. Hello, hello, hello. Um, this is a solo Mortcast today. I, I hear the groans, okay? I hear the groans. I understand that you all are enjoying the uh, um, guests that I have been having. Thank God for Zoom. Uh, quite frankly, I have been enjoying the guests that we've been having but I, this is kind of a solo Mortcast based on the passing of John Thompson, the former Georgetown uh, coach, uh, famous Georgetown coach, uh, led the Hoyas to a national championship in 1985 uh, with Patrick Ewing. Uh, he coached some amazing players, um, not the least of which are Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo, and Allen Iverson. 
uh, he really kind of changed a lot in terms of how the black athlete is accepted in traditionally white colleges. I think for the longest time, people thought that Georgetown was a black college, if you were only familiar with sports, because they had primarily black players on the roster, and you would never understand how it was diametrically opposed to Georgetown, which is uh, almost entirely white. It's a very patrician um, uh, D.C. area school. And um, it is just, uh, it's different. It is, a, it, is not, it is not the same as going to Grambling or Savannah State or anything like that. Uh, Georgetown is very much uh, a mostly very predominantly white college, still to this to this day. And John Thompson came in and really changed that. And he gave, he gave them a tremendously successful, particularly in the 80s, basketball program that really broke barriers. Um, John Thompson was not only that, he was a great recruiter and he was able to get you know, the top talent in there. Um, Patrick Ewing was probably the foremost uh, among them in the 80s and really was ju- what jump-started uh, what John Thompson was able to accomplish through that decade. Uh, of course, then that led to Alonzo Mourning and uh, Dikembe Mutombo coming in, and there was a time where both Mutombo and Mourning were on the same roster. Uh, Mutombo left, I believe, one year before Mourning did. And it was a, it was just two, a Twin Tower thing. Um, and that's why Mutombo was so highly drafted. He went number four when the Nuggets got him in 1991. Uh, and Zoe, I believe, was two or three uh, the following year. Um, just absolutely amazing, amazing uh, a recruiter of talent. And uh, it really uh, is disappointing to see him go because he was great on, the, uh, on TV. He was great in, in multiple areas. It was also great in – there was a lot of things that uh, NBA teams wanted from him. And – I'm going to give you, this isn't a full Know Your History. This is more of a in-memoriam thing. But I kind of wanted to give you guys an idea of what happened between John Thompson and the Denver Nuggets in 1990. Uh, The Nuggets went through, obviously, as I've essayed via writing and via this podcast, a dramatic change in ownership in 1989. Uh, It was fraught. It was... uh, one could say that the people who purchased the team didn't uh, quite have the funds or means to buy them. I think that would be 100% accurate, to be honest with you. Um, but in, in addition to that, it was kind of um, turbulent. A lot of stuff was going on in August of 1989 through October of 1989, when the uh, team was finally, quote, unquote, officially purchased by the first ever minority um, uh, African-American ownership that was the managing partners, but not the majority owners. I've gone through that, not to repeat rehash history, but I've gone over that a lot. Um, There were some issues. Uh, Dave Checkets was originally brought on on, as team president before... uh, Sidney Schlanker came in and said, I can't sell to these people. They don't have the money. Uh, and that was in October of 1989. Checkets then immediately checked out uh, from the 
the group that was intending to purchase. Chaotic things happened, and David Stern twisted Sidney Schlenker's arm till it almost broke. Um, and got in the emergency uh, majority investment from one Comset Video Entertainment Group, which was headed up by former CBS executive and uh, number two at Turner, Robert Wessler. Uh, Wessler had convinced the shareholders via to help out his friend David Stern to um, purchase the majority 67.5% of the Denver Nuggets in 1989. The arrangement was that Bino, specifically, and Lee, but mostly Bino, were to uh, have the managing partnership, and Comset was to sit back and be just the majority and uh, let Bino and Lee manage as they saw fit. Obviously, that didn't happen. And this leads to what happened with John Thompson. Uh, after an amazing and a long search, Nuggets went back to old friend Carl Shear in March of 1990. Um, after Pete Babcock uh, left in February of 1990, uh, he let his... Uh, it, it, things were, it was clear that P. Babcock was going to be not part of the new management plans. And Babcock left, and he went to the Atlanta Hawks, where he was there for like 13 years. It was, it was a very long time where Pete Babcock was the general manager of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, so he left. So they needed a new team president, and they needed a new general manager. Uh, then the, They went into the past for the Nuggets for former president slash owner slash general manager, Carl Shearer. Uh, they convinced Carl Shearer to leave the Charlotte Hornets to come to uh, Denver. Shearer, at that time, didn't have any interest in being a general manager. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on uh, behind the scenes. Uh, it was weird. They gave Shear a very large contract. Um, to be the team president. Um, it is unclear whose idea it was to bring Shear in. In turn, Shear and, uh, to a lesser extent, Peter Bino, went to John Thompson to become the general manager. They really had their sights set on one guy. Uh, Shear was very much involved in wanting to get... Uh, John Thompson on board to kind of stabilize the organization and offered him a $6 million deal, which in 1990 money, I think that that is just, it would be like the equivalent of what Steve Kerr got in, the 2000, in 2015. Just insane money. Um, the problem was, excuse me, 2014, uh, the problem was uh, the Nuggets' ownership dynamic was really strange. Uh, it, was, it was fraught. It was inconsistent. Uh, no one knew who was minding the store. Uh, there was constant battles from day one, and it only got worse. And this 
was a year after the team was purchased. Well, not even a year. Um, in 19, in uh, June of 1990, the Nuggets put a substantial offer, like I said, $6 million offer on in front of uh, John Thompson to, to to lure him from Georgetown. And he was seriously, seriously considering it. However, Thompson had an unfortunate, and some would say, um, for the Nuggets history, especially during that time, uh, catastrophic meeting with Robert Wessler Jr., the uh, owner of the Denver, the, the majority owner, team president, or excuse me, he was the CEO of ComSat, therefore uh, primary managing owner of that part in the stake. And Wessler gave off such a horrible, horrible impression to John Thompson that things started to unravel. The Nuggets, before that happened, the Nuggets had to conduct a draft. And because of uh, Thompson's assumed, and this is how close it got, this is because of Thompson's assumed ascendancy to GM from Georgetown, they asked him what they would do, and Thompson said that he would draft Chris Jackson from Louisiana, uh, Louisiana State, excuse me, LSU, and that was that was his his concerted opinion on that. Sharon agreed, so did Doug Moe. Moe and Shear, but to to a greater extent, uh, Moe who basically um, was captaining a, a listing ship at that point in time because Pete Babcock was gone and Carl Shearer really didn't want to be doing GM duties. Carl, uh, uh, Doug Moe conducted the 1990 draft, traded Fat Lever to the Dallas Mavericks for the third pick, and the Nuggets got drafted Chris Jackson, largely at the behest of John Thompson. That is a fact. Um, you ask anyone who was around at the time, they will tell you that um, John Thompson was that was his pick. That's that's he wasn't the gen, he wasn't the GM, but he might as well have been because he that's what he pushed for. Doug Moe agreed, and there is that's how they did that deal. And Carl Shear kind of did the GMing part of it, and there's where the Nuggets ended up with Chris Jackson in 1990. Meanwhile, the Nuggets have this offer in front of John Thompson, and he is not taking it, making excuses. And in fact, there is a Washington Post story that you can find online where um, there's a bunch of rumors about the Nuggets not being financially viable, which who knows at that point, but I think Comsat had enough money at that time to, to stabilize them. They offered Thompson, a whole bunch of money. Uh, there was other uh, rumors that they were going to move the Nuggets, which was not true. Um, and one was wondering where they were coming from. Through people I've spoken to, and this was part of my, what intended to be part three of my article on the, the, the Nuggets by no Lee ownership. Um, Thompson was so repulsed by Robert Wessler that he couldn't 
he, he just couldn't like bring himself to make that leap. It was a lot of money. Uh, he would be giving up a very cushy position in Georgetown. I mean, 100%. He had it made at Georgetown. Uh, in order to come to a organization that was in fundamentally changing, uh, and noticeably, Shear uh, Carl Shear at that point just didn't want to take over the job as GM, which is kind of what the Nuggets organization was wanting him to do. There was competing interests. Bino was really on board with John Thompson. Uh, Lee, meanwhile, was MIA. Uh, Bertram Lee. Uh, was coming in and out of meetings and not there all the time and having trouble with his own financial stake in the Denver Nuggets, um, which would get him into trouble later. Um, But at this time, the Nuggets were still titularly Peter Bino's managing team. Wessler increasingly began interfering in absolutely everything. Now, Bino himself was not any great owner. (laughs) None of them were. But at this point, you could point the finger right at Robert Wessler for interfering in something that he wasn't, and and part of the initial agreement was he wasn't supposed to. The meeting with Wessler and Thompson was terrible. Thompson starts hedging. Um, suddenly he pulls out and the Nuggets were left without a general manager until August of that year. They went from February to August with no GM with Doug Moe and Carl Shear running everything basically with fighting, intense fighting for power with between Wessler and Peter Bino, uh, and to a much lesser extent Bertram Lee, who was, as I discussed, having his own problems at that point. Um, and Thompson just, what an honorable man he was. He couldn't let this happen. Uh, one thing you could say about John Thompson is he was an extremely dignified man, just an honorable person who just would not put up with the shenanigans that were going on uh, at McNichols Arena, in the offices at McNichols Arena. They just, and why should he? Why should he? Um, there was just not enough there for him to make that move. He was repulsed by Robert Wessler, who would play a bigger role in the almost collapse of the team a year later. But as of that point, Wessler just couldn't stay out of his own way. That disastrous meeting, which has never really been defined. I've spoken to multiple people, and they just said, Don Thompson said that Wessler was a snake. And they don't know what, what, was, what was said or anything like that. It was just, that was what happened. So Thompson pulls out. Nuggets then eventually, in, in August of 1990, hire Bernie Bickerstaff, um, and then about a week, week and a half before the season be- begins in, uh, let's see, let's see, the week before the training camp in September of uh, 1990, 
the Nuggets fire Doug Moe, who was essentially running the organization with Carl Shearer because Robert Wessler didn't like him. And it was just so much of that going on. It was just, it was just insane. But back to John Thompson. John Thompson, very honorable man, who really is a, a, a reason why um, the African-American athlete, particularly in basketball, has such a respect across college borders. <clears throat> uh, the basketball, even in the 80s, was very segregated sports. There was black colleges and there was, there was white colleges. And Thompson's ability to recruit to Georgetown, a predominantly white college, to uh, black professional athletes who um, I, you can imagine would felt, feel like a fish out of water in, a, in, a, in the lily-white Georgetown campus his ability to recruit to Georgetown was amazing, and he probably is one of the single forces that integrated a lot of college athletics um, in the 80s in a way that rather than having black colleges and white colleges and some that are, some that are known to be more mixed, it was like Thompson proved that you can recruit black athlete to a white college like Georgetown. And that was a big moment in racial diversity in sports. And John Thompson passed away a couple of days ago. His impact on professional sports is, is huge, particularly basketball. And it's great to see in the tributes to him that he's getting the amount of respect that he's due. The man is a titan, was a titan of professional sports and college athletics, primarily college athletics. And he will definitely, definitely be missed. Before I go, I would like to talk to you about DraftKings Sportsbook app. Yes, college football, and excuse me, not college football, professional football is upon us. And uh, right now, with football around the corner, there's no better place to get in on all the action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving all users a no-brainer to deal to start the season. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Have you ever heard of a football team losing by 100 points? Well, for one week one, DraftKings is ensuring that if, even if Kansas City were to lose in historic fashion, you would still cash in on your bet. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Kansas City, plus 101 points for all users. So even if Kansas City loses by 100, you will still get a cash in on your on your bet. Um, on top of all that amazing offer, DraftKings is giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all users who enter their free football survivor pool. All you have to do is sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, enter their survivor pool, and instantly get to share of up to $100 million in giveaways. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS to take advantage of this no-brainer of an offer. That's promo code MHS to get in in on all the free action for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only. 
Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Before I go, I'd like to tell you that there will be a special, very special um, CSG um, this weekend that I'm recording for episode 400. I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, we got another Gen X music show coming on Thursday. And it's just going to be a great week. I hope everyone has been enjoying the guests I've been having. Um, it's It's been a fun month. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the future on CSG. Thank you all for joining me. And uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Goodbye.